Hey, Gray Matters community. This is Charmaine and Ricky of Gray Matters, the blog, and this is a replay of one of our favorite episodes from season one. While we are preparing for season two, please make sure to check out our Instagram page. That's at Gray Matters, the blog, and that's gray with an A, where we will release exclusive content from these episodes and sneak peeks into season two. We hope you enjoy the episode. Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. 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 And the Half Drunk Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half-Drunk Podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Sam. And this week, we have two very special guests on the podcast to talk about diversity with us. So yes. please welcome the two hosts from Gray Matters. Hi, I'm Charmaine. And this is Ricky. Um, and we are excited to be here. Um, just to give you a little context of to what Gray Matters is. Gray Matters is a blog slash podcast that we started to have conversations about theory, um, different theories that we study in our programs um, that we specialize in, specifically in multicultural women and gender studies, and make these theories more accessible to the general public and help provide more knowledge about quote-unquote uncomfortable topics or topics that aren't widely addressed in day-to-day conversations. We also want to provide resources for those who have questions about these topics, questions about diversity, activism, feminism, womanism, just different topics that people have questions about. We want to provide resources. And overall, we are a very inclusive space, and we really want to center... um, centered marginalized voices and really talk have deep conversations with people who don't always have their voices heard in everyday society great we are so excited to have you guys on this podcast this week um just given everything that is going on right now Mm -hmm. uh, last week we muted ourselves and we've been sharing resources on our social media platforms but we really thought this week we needed to have uncomfortable conversation and we needed to talk about diversity or sometimes lack thereof in this series and give a platform to kind of give our listeners the ability to be part of the conversation with us so we're really glad to have you guys here and I know Ricky reached out to us she's been listening to us for a while and she reached out to us a couple months ago, and we were like, after the deep dives, and then we were like, nope, just hey, come on, time girl. Is it now. is time. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, we are so happy to be here. Awesome. Well, given everything that's going on with diversity in the world right now, really, um, right. we also feel like we have to address a couple tweets that were sent out a few days ago by J.K. Rowling that also deal with diversity, but on the LGBTQ plus spectrum. She made a few questionable tweets about transgender people and the definition of sex. And we just wanted to kind of make sure that our listeners audiences know that we are a very inclusive space and we love JK Rowling's fiction writing the series, but that doesn't mean that we aside with what 
her personal views are on her Twitter. <laughs> yes. Um, so again, while we love the Harry Potter series and a lot of her other works, her tweets this weekend were, in my opinion, inexcusable and just completely tone deaf, especially during Pride Month. Mm-hmm. And as someone who has said she's an ally and wants to stand up for people and wrote an entire series about equality, for that matter, and included a main character being gay, it just seems a bit... Though after the fact. A bit, yeah. Though after the fact. It just seems a bit tone deaf. Um, yeah. This is not to bash J.K. Rowling because she did give us this amazing series and these characters that we love so much. I just think sometimes... She needs to kind of check herself a little bit, so. Right, and we just felt like we couldn't go into an episode about diversity without just going ahead and addressing that elephant in the room. Yep, Um, But now that's addressed, and we're going to move on, and let's just go ahead and also address our drink of the week, which this week is Drinker's Choice. So um, we kind of wanted to just keep the focus on our topic of conversation, so I am (laughs) drinking a... Pink apple rosé spiked seltzer. <laughs> Whatever. It's not my fave, but here we are. And I'm just drinking a glass of wine. Just really simple. Yeah, that's it. So that's us. Let, let, <laughs> this is what we're doing this week. Okay, so let's just jump right in to our topic for the week. Yeah, so I think that the beginning and just addressing those tweets and you know you brought up the fact that um harry potter the harry potter series even for me when i was reading it it definitely showed a lot of social justice awareness and this idea that um everyone it should be equal and viewed as valuable and i just think it's very interesting because even before we started i was explaining that i was introduced to um harry potter a little bit later in life i started reading the books um in college well actually after i graduated with my bachelor's is when i read all the books and it was after i took a class on my first women and gender studies class or my first kind of social justice class I picked up the books and it was just interesting for me to read because I definitely I loved I fell in love with the books because because of its message of equality and because of its message that everyone should be valued for who they are and not necessarily for their their quote-unquote blood or because Mm -hmm. of you know, mm-hmm. factors right. that they can't control. But while I was reading, it was just also very interesting that um, like later on, I just started noticing that there was different aspects of the book that I began to question. And Charmaine, we kind of wanted to give you a, like a little background about like our experience with the books, like personal Yeah, experience. for sure. Yeah, you guys, yeah. We need to know your like houses yes. and your, all of that stuff. Yes. So please, please. Yeah. So I guess I'll start off and I'll let Charmaine give her little story since I already gave you guys my whole Harry Potter life story um (laughs) but I'm a Hufflepuff Hufflepuff sorry hello yes yes queen I'm like the craziest Hufflepuff ever like as soon as I found out I was a Hufflepuff at first I was kind of like oh I'm not Gryffindor but then (laughs) after like getting reading the books and like learning more I'm like yeah this is where I belong I'm Mm -hmm. a true-hearted Hufflepuff Mm -hmm. and let me see here. I'm going to pull up my Pottermore stats. So I'm a Hufflepuff, and then my wand 
is an aspen wood with a dragon heartstring core, 11 and a half inches with unbending flexibility. Another rigid bitch. Here Another we go. rigid bitch on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which at first I was kind of like offended. I was like, I thought I was like a no. little bit more flexible, no. <laughs> but then it. I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, you're it right. It doesn't okay. have to do with your um, views on accepting and including people it has to do on if i'm right i'm right yes <laughs> yes i'm like that's that's kind of me sometimes you know yeah. sometimes more than not okay. um and then my patronus is a dunmare so yeah oh, it's what? it's a it's a horse it's yeah. a- no one has these cool patronuses but <laughs> this is some bullshit i <laughs> i don't know Calm i don't bullshit. think mine's that great so we can talk about mine um, yeah anyway. charmaine share your <laughs> Oh, gosh. No, go ahead, Ricky. I'm almost excited that it might be worse than ours. (laughs) You're like, yay. (laughs) Okay, now I feel bad, but I have this awesome Patronus and everyone else. That's a very cool Patronus. Thanks, thanks. But yeah, those are um, my stat. For me, my um, also we we wanted to mention this. So we both have the same favorite movie and book. We both love The Order of the phoenix book and it's because you get introduced to our favorite characters and we both love the goblet of fire just because like that movie like the visuals and the it's just i think it's a beautiful movie and um so that movie definitely stands by itself like you could just watch goblet of fire not really know much about harry potter yes exactly um and then for me my favorite character is luna lovegood because i just i just wish i could just be more like her in life in general (laughs) i know she's just so like pure and precious if more people could be like luna lovegood yes yes exactly yes Mm -hmm. what about you charmaine okay so for me okay i've always felt like a gryffindor i've always thought that I was a Gryffindor and I took the quiz years ago and I was Gryffindor and I'm like duh this is so me it fits me perfectly and then recently I wanted to just take it again to see what it would be and I to be honest was kind of like half paying attention when I took it and I don't know if this makes a difference but I got Ravenclaw and I almost fell out because that's fine like I was like I was fine with that but it just it was so surprising because I always related to Gryffindor everything that they said their whole house like just everything was so it just resonated with me so I am crazy and I deactivated my account I did it again just to take it one more time and I got Gryffindor so I don't know what that means but I want (laughs) to say like I definitely have a, a different appreciation for Ravenclaw now because I'm just like wait a second that that I mean a lot of it like I resonate with that as well but it was just yeah I don't know so be that as it may um I thought that was really interesting yeah um my wand yeah oh I like that yeah Yeah, it might be your second house because uh, Mm -hmm. for me I did some quiz where it did your second house and for me my second house was Ravenclaw so it might be yeah you know, a secondary well, house. I or might something. be a little biased, but Ravenclaw is the best house. So <laughs> I remember, yeah, you, can't I really remember go you Ravenclaw. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, well, this is actually okay. I'm not mad at it. Um, so yeah, I, I like that. I almost think of it as um, like, I'm really into astrology. And so I kind of thought it as like maybe my ascending or my nice. moon or oh. something. I don't know. I kind of like that. I'm like, I, yes. I like this idea. Um, so my wand is a laurel wood with a dragon heartstring core, 
11 and three quarters and quite bendy flexibility. She's not rich. No, I am not. I'm quite <laughs> She's bendy. very accepting of other people's ideas. Oh, okay. Yes. When I took the quiz and I got this, I remember watching the movies and I remember always thinking like, I, I don't know. I feel like I would lose my wand or I would like break it or snap. I don't know. I just, I was always worried about the wand. This is so silly, but like, I, it, when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, I need something flexible. I, I something pretty pliable. <laughs> I consider myself a pretty flexible person. Um, yeah. And then my Patronus was a little shocking for me. I have a sparrow. Oh, oh you know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ours are rodents, Samantha. We can't really be like, Here's the but bird. you know, you it's know so how much, you know how much I hate birds. Yeah, Sam hates birds. <laughs> really oh, yeah, them. okay, that makes sense. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I thought that was so interesting because as I, I got that, I'm like, I was trying to think of all the instances, like a sparrow was relevant to Harry Potter, and I kept thinking of other films and, like, mm-hmm. you know, fantasy fiction things that sparrows were more relevant, and I'm like, Okay, I guess. Okay, I don't. For me, like I, I was introduced to the Harry Potter books first through my younger sister. She was reading them, and she was in middle school at the time, and I was in high school. And I remember picking up the Goblet of Fire. That's just the one that she had been reading at the time, and I was like, "This is so confusing. Like, what? This is weird." And she was like, "No, no, no. You have to read it from the beginning." And mm-hmm. I read them, and I was completely hooked. And then this was maybe around the time, maybe a little bit before the first movie came out. But I feel like shortly after, maybe like a year or so after the first movie came out, it was around that time. And I like just we were at like the minute premieres. We we're all into the movies. But I would definitely say that I think like any true bookworm, like just for me, the books really stand alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to find something to say to like. Uh, make up for the fact that I told you you're, I'm sorry about your Patronus. But Her favorite okay. character is Tonks, though, so she has a cool favorite character. Oh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. I totally forgot. Yes. Legit. Yes, I love her. Like, I love, I love a lot of the characters, but I really, like, just resonated with Tonks. She is so badass. Like, she's just, she comes in, she does the damn thing. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I love her. I think she's amazing. She's yeah. no apologies. Like, yes. she is just herself, and she just, and even when she's, like, herself and she's depressed, like, she owns that, too, yeah. which I really respect, but she's not trying to, like, put on a happy face and act like everything's cool, but it's not cool. And I'm just, like, Tonks is the realest bitch of the series, in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. I think she has so much, um, like, just as a character, she's so broad that I just wish there was more of her included, like, in the movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like there could be total just fan fiction slash spinoffs on just, like, Tonks' life or time at Hogwarts or yeah. anything. So, yeah, that's kind of, like, a background, just so everyone understands, like, how, where we come from. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting. We were just talking about this, how, like, the two characters that we resonated with the most are like um, in the book, their description is kind of ambiguous. And so like, I know for me, like when I read, so I read all the books and then I saw all the movies and while I was reading the books, I definitely resonated with Luna and 
the whole time that I'm reading, I'm like, I could be Luna. Like, if you just, like, gave me, like, some contacts and, like, a wig, I can be Luna. And so I just think it's interesting how both of our characters, they're so ambiguous. Like, we even, like, looked up the descriptions and, like, talked. She's described as, like, pale and, like, heart-shaped face and, like, dark eyes and, like, spiky hair that's, Mm -hmm. like, purple. And, like, Luna, she has like waist waist length dirty blonde hair and like silvery eyes and then that's like that that's that's their descriptions that's all you get that's their physical descriptions and I'm just I just think it's interesting because that's kind of what sparked our conversation and this idea of like separating the books from the films when it comes to I think Charmaine is the one that found this article um when it tying harry potter into academia and what can be canon um, when analyzing harry potter and like i definitely think it's important to separate the books from the films when it comes to analysis because like we Mm -hmm. said the books they are very like the descriptions kind of give the readers freedom to like think about what these characters are and what their background is um so yeah Um, yeah Yeah, I think um, since Ricky referenced this article, I'll go into it just a little bit because I think it kind of gives us like a nice, almost an overview or or an understanding of where some of our perspectives are coming in from too. There is a, um, at George Washington University, there is an instructional librarian. Her name is Talanda Henderson. So she actually has done a lot of really cool work on Harry Potter. And one of the things that she mentions is kind of what Ricky said about Harry Potter um, as the books being a sort of canon and what she calls, Talana Henderson calls a meta canon. And so she said, you know, it's, she's, I'm going to read this article that I found about her. It says, it's a term I came up with because if Rowling wanted to say Albus Dumbledore was gay, she should have written it explicitly in the books. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of this idea that like the books give the reader a lot of leniency to kind of interpret different things. And then the movies I think in a lot of ways, for a lot of the characters, they were exactly what I imagined. I'm like, this is what I imagined. This is kind of what I'm seeing. This is perfect. Everything was perfect. But in a lot of different ways, it definitely, I think, fell short of like representation, different things. So I think the movies in of itself, while they provided a really important space, they also kind of limited the perspectives. And with that, because Harry Potter worlds, like what you said, there's so many you can have fan fiction and spinoffs. There's so much that Harry Potter could go into this whole world. The movies almost kind of seem to restrict that to a certain extent. And which, of course, they, you know, they do. I think this is an argument that a lot of people who are like books versus movies can have um, and mm-hmm. do have. But it's just interesting because it does, it feels to almost limit our uh, collective understanding of how diversity could impact or how representation rather um, impacts this character, this world that we, that we like, you know, love to, to be a part of. Right. Your right. view of the world. Right. I that think we've, yeah. we've talked about this before when we were talking about Cursed Child and the implementation of Black Hermione. And yes. I think it's brilliant because it gives, you know, Black girls who go and see this play, they get to see themselves represented as mm-hmm. arguably, in my opinion, the most badass character on the stage. So, right. And also the most non-represented group that we have in exactly. our society. Exactly. So, you know, whereas Emma Watson is my Hermione, because I identify a lot with Emma Watson, right? And I think she was amazing as Hermione. But because the character was written so 
ambiguously, she has big mm-hmm. hair. She, that's pretty much it. She's a shrill voice. She right. does talk about where she was tan a couple of times. Once she says she was tan a couple times, it says her face got pale. Right. But that's yeah. really all you have to go on. Right. Yeah. But it kind of leaves it up for us to make assumptions. Um, yeah. Versus like Ronald Weasley's character. So that kid is a pale, tall ginger. And there right. is no way Freckly around that. Freckly and very, very stouter. Fred and George right. are, like, she goes into all the detail about all the Weasleys, about, like, how, like, their heights are different from each other and their sizes are different from each other. So my whole thing is, like, yeah, I think it would be really great if Hermione was written as a Black character, but, right. damn it, she didn't do it. She didn't specifically say it. So right. that's what gets me is like, she does say it for Kingsley. She does say it for Dean Thomas. I don't know. She says it for Blaze. She says it for a lot of different people. I mean, it's implied right. for the Patel twins that they're Indian because of their name. But if you don't like, I don't think I knew that when I was first reading the books as a kid, I didn't know those were Indian names. Right. Um, so it just, it, it kind of just brings up the whole thing again about like Dumbledore when she came out after the fact and said, oh, yeah, Dumbledore's gay. Yeah, sure. I feel like in this instance, she leaves it ambiguous so that if anyone tries to call her on something, she can be like, sure, whatever you want to believe. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Which yeah. is also, that brings into a really interesting point because I think that also has this question where why, like, what you know, why was this, why was this stuff so ambiguous and right. what implications do that have or does that have? Um, and, and almost like how the books are aged, which I hate to like use that term, but it's, you know, how, how the books are, are, or will be read in the future outside Mm -hmm. of just this collective kind of popular era that Harry Potter was really forms a lot of people's childhoods and will continue to do that. But how will some of these contexts be interpreted through time? Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I feel like. I feel like it's like um, her leaving it ambiguous. It's kind of like a, a two-sided, it's like a two-sided coin. On one side, yes, it leaves us up for, you know, the reader's interpretation. Um, but on the other side, it also kind of like you said, Sam, it it causes kind of like, it's like, why? Like, if you wanted this character to be a certain way, why not just blatantly say it? And I was right. actually reading something where, it was kind of explaining the problems with people assuming these ambiguous characters to just be white because Mm -hmm. that was like a whole thread. I was reading an article. It was actually, it was an article that was um, talking about the power of there being a black Hermione. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in the comments, people were, were saying, you know, well, she's not, you know, she's not described as black, so she's not black and therefore she's white. And there was another comment answering that. Well, do you see the problem with a character not being like the fact that a writer doesn't explicitly say we just assume that it's that the character has to be white and I think that is kind of like a representation of our society habits um, like there's been several studies shown um, it's called there, there's a study called the doll study where they take um, yeah back in like 1940s, 50s, they took children and showed them dolls and asked them, you know, positive attributes. And mm-hmm. when it came to positive attributes, everyone picked the the white doll. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they redid the study and they included, you know, black 
you know, teenagers. And not only did the teenagers reference um, positivity to the white doll or the lighter skin doll, the they also looked at themselves as very negative because they didn't match that. And they felt like mm-hmm. they had to constantly try to match the, you know, lighter skin and, you know, the doll that has more positive attributes to it. So it's just interesting how, you know, how, and and I'll get into this later because I specify in media studies, but how books and like media that we take in kind of, they go deeper within us and Mm -hmm. they kind of cause this outward experience outward experience too that we have so I just I just find it very interesting how how it can have this kind of double like this double effect um yeah yeah yeah. I I agree I think I know about the doll study and I was actually Mm -hmm. just reading about that yesterday um just as my personal trying to again reinforce my education and understand more things I'd learned about it in college but I wanted to go in more in depth and yeah, it just raises such a big question because I know J.K. Rowling, when Black Hermione was cast for The Cursed Child, she put all of her support behind that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I wrote this character so ambiguous so that, you know, other young girls could see themselves in this character. And, you know, preparing for this episode, I read that tweet and I thought to myself, you know, even if Hermione was Black, I still would have identified with that character right mm-hmm. why would that stop a white girl from identifying right. with Hermione as a character it does not make her any less powerful if anything it elevates her narrative because she's gonna have to experience even more hardships unfortunately just because yeah. of how society is I think and it would have been way more powerful and way more on the nose drawing the allusion to the blood right. purity status like it would have actually made you be like oh this whole blood purity war that they're fighting actually is it's like a race war. Yeah. Alluding to a yeah. race issue. Right. Also, I think it's just so backwards that in literature, if a character isn't described as a certain race other than white, then you just assume that they're white because right. like all, we all have the same like first ancestor as human beings on this planet. And our first ancestor, the first ever person on this planet was a black woman like that is a proven fact from a skeleton back in like the 1980s is when they did this experiment on the skeleton and it was a black woman we all have trickled down from there so it's just like why should we assume that this person is white when the first ever people on this planet were black skinned and had brown eyes and that's what we all looked like at one point yeah. I think it's really indicative, too, of, like, the, the narrative, this, like, larger Eurocentric narrative that a lot of our stories exist in, and not just stories, but, like, this collective social consciousness, and that really reflects in our literature in the way that, like, what you were just talking about, like, with the way um, that Black Hermione was um, accepted, or just caused such, I remember, like, it caused such an uproar, people were so upset, and um, they were. Yeah, I think it really connects back to this to this social consciousness that's linked back to a very Eurocentric framework of how we critique um, literature and, and even arts and entertainment. Yeah, and I definitely feel like it also shows kind of like 
the lack of knowledge people know about the spectrum of people of color. Like I was going through some of the descriptions and one person was saying, well, she's described as pale or they're described as pale. So they can't be anything but white. And I'm like, I definitely have family members who are black, who are pale and who blush. And like, there's just, I feel like we, when we think of, and even like, even just a different ethnicities and, and backgrounds, just because someone says darker skin doesn't mean they have to be like, you know, black or, or it, there's just so much like flexibility when it comes from people of color, like mm-hmm. if people from, you know, South Asian descent, like you don't have to look a certain way or be a certain way to, to be a certain ethnicity. I feel like when people think, black they think of a certain way uh, mm-hmm. i don't know and you can definitely have black people with blonde hair and blue eyes you yeah, know and right, it's just right. one of my best friends is from black descent and she has red hair and blue eyes and exactly just, you know, yeah. yeah and i yeah. think that that shows like that the kind of um translation between reading the literature people processing the literature and then processing it into film and on screen kind of shows that disconnect that we have where we disconnect from the flexibility of ethnicity ethnicity and the flexibility of race um and i just think it's so important to to talk about that flexibility um and to note that it can be flexible um yeah i do find it um interesting and i'd like to hear your all's input so when I'm reading the outline that we kind of made, the men of color in the series, mm-hmm. it's a very strong black presence, right? Versus the women of color in the series, you have Cho Chang, you have the Patels, you have... You have Angela Johnson, I think, is the only... She's the only black... black yeah, she's the only yeah, right. black woman. And I, I was actually going to make a comment when you talked about how Hermione would have being black would have elevated the series. And I Mm -hmm. definitely agree with that because you see signs of kind of like the overt racism in Harry Potter coming from Pansy Parkinson when she calls uh, her Angela Johnson's braids like worms. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you definitely see that. So to, and also it would have been a main character. There's something to say when all of the minor character, when the people of color come from the minor characters and um, how they're explicit in the minor characters, if that makes sense. Um, And I definitely think, I I agree, it would have elevated the series to have a core character as a person of color. Yes. And it's, it's really interesting because considering the messaging of the story and like the entire like just everything like you know the the muggles and the half-bloods and and you know like what we were saying earlier that it is all about like a a blood war and you know keeping the wizarding word world pure like these words that we know have been used they have historical significance in our very history Mm -hmm. um but to see that and to like i know for me when i read the books as a person of color like i felt so represented and then when you see the movies and you see unfortunately that like Hollywood stereotypes and a lot of the same frustrations that people of color have with the film industry and with entertainment are reflected in the series. And it's almost like kind of going back to what we were saying about JK Rowling not being explicit in her representation. And she's very ambiguous in in what 
she wants people to interpret. And, you know, kind of like what you were saying, Ricky, where in one way, yes, more people can maybe identify with these characters if we keep them ambiguous. But on the other hand, I think in many ways it did more harm than good because mm -hmm. then it restricted how those characters were interpreted on screen to like, honestly, I think it was partly like the casting directors and, and, no, the, yeah. and yeah. the the different directors for different films. And I mean, yeah. just take, just take Lavender Brown's character, yeah. three different people yes. played Lavender Brown yes. and she was black until it was time for her to become Ron's love interest when mm -hmm. she yep. was replaced with, I can't remember the actress's name. So that's just like, that just proves your point. <laughs> They're just like, oh, well, let's go ahead and bring this girl in now um, because we're They're Hollywood. almost expendable. Like all of that, right. they're yeah. more expendable. And particularly the women are more expendable, it seems. Like even when I was going back, definitely the men of color have more speaking roles than the women yeah. of color. Mm -hmm. Or even if the women of color have speaking roles, it's more of a love interest. Like exactly. you don't really get the dynamic of the character. Um, it's just like, oh, uh, this person is interested in them and let me speak. Okay, let me disappear into the abyss. Like I feel yeah, like right. that's, yeah. that's more like how it how it is versus like, Dean Thomas like we see him have roles even in the movie like I see Dean everywhere I'm like oh look, yeah. there he is there he is yeah. there he is mm -hmm. um, he's, he's there he's kind of in the background he's just yeah he's there we see him and it's even I, in yeah go ahead Ricky oh I was just gonna say I also think it's interesting how Kingsley is a black character and he's an adult and you don't really see any other uh, there's not a woman of color who's like an adult. I don't know how that's, but the, the women of color are like stuck at, I, I don't know. I think that just also shows volumes for the series yeah. too, where like yeah. he's the Unless only. Unless we incorporate the Fantastic Beast series, yes. which has Lita and then Lita. I can't remember who the like president is of Makusa. Mm -hmm. but yeah she is a black woman so we yeah. at least have those two and gosh i freaking love lita like i have the biggest crush it's on her, but... oh my god i do think i, I do just... think it's i love the Zoe Kravitz in general but kind of how what we've been talking about how the movies honestly were just kind of whitewashed a bit ver yeah. and then this new wave of fantastic beast movies they are extremely diverse i yes. mean yeah compared to the original series nagini is an Asian woman and yes. Lita is a black woman and the leader of Bakuza is a black woman and you have it seems much more diverse I'm, I'm not a British person so I don't really know how it is in England but I think having Fantastic Beasts set in America where it is a lot more apparent that we are we have so many different races I think it's people it's... of color just yeah i think I'm it, sorry. maybe that influenced the casting direction i'm not really sure but well we also have this history that yeah. we really have to like incorporate address. yeah we have yeah. to address basically and that i mean <laughs> our country was built with all of the different races um in mm -hmm. the worst way possible and i mean look at our past president not our president now and they lead our country. So yeah. we have to address that. Yeah. I and think it's interesting. Films. It's almost, I wonder if it's intentional because of the, the backlash or, or some of the criticisms from that, the, this first, you know, from the Harry Potter series where it's like, okay, we have, it's like a conscious choice that we have to address right. this and introduce more characters. But 
I know I have some experience in England and it's just, it's a very, very diverse society and it's very visibly mm-hmm. diverse and it's much smaller than we are in the United States. So I feel like it's much more visible in different ways than maybe it is here versus going to certain areas where you would see more diversity than others. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting though, too, because like even, so the inclusion of the character of like Nagini, that is a, like a, from what I remember, it's a Hindi derived word and it means like, it means snake woman kind of, or like mm. snake goddess. And so that has a very um, orientalist connotation as well, because we have uh, Anagini in a um, in the Jungle Book and various other mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. literature that kind of harkens back to a orientalist post-colonial colonial era. Um, and so, of course, if, well, I won't say of course. Some people may know that there's um, the Indian subcontinent has a very deep colonial history with the United Kingdom, with England, mm-hmm. and like the English Empire. So that. I remember reading that and thinking, no, my family is South Asian, so I know a lot of this, and a lot of people may not, but I remember reading it and thinking, oh, like, Gini or, like, Nagini from the Jungle Book, kind of like that, and then uh-huh. I, when I saw her represented as an Asian woman, I was like, oh, that's cool, like, I love that, I love that they're, you know, it's, that there's, like, this broad-reaching representation, like, I did not mind, but I also felt like, did they even know? Like, do they even know? And they could be the casting people. They could be like mm-hmm. also, you know, like everything that goes into this book. Like, were they aware of some of those Orientalists and colonial implications to that, right. to using that term or to using that character, to using that characterization like this? And, and also it has a very negative connotation with it. So it's almost like, you know, she's this evil goddess witch type of like like a connotation that like an evil witch would or something like that right so and i mean she is she's one of Voldemort's people right so she has definitely like we know what side she falls on but i think that's also one of the issues with the characterization of nagini is that we don't really get a lot of her backstory we don't know why she has this blood curse to eventually turn into a snake we just like know that she's an Asian woman who turns into a snake and eventually becomes Voldemort's like pet slash whatever their relationship is you know like love I don't like we don't know we don't know we might find out I have no idea but that and then also like the characterization of Cho Chang and just how her name is like not two Korean last names I just had to like her name is two Korean last names right and, and so it's like, did you put any like research behind this? Like oh, that's what you were just, saying to Nagini. She's just placed in Ravenclaw. Yeah. Right. right. Which is a is. huge I mean, yes. She may have belonged in Ravenclaw for all of the same reasons I belong in Ravenclaw as a white woman. But from an outside perspective it looks a Suspicious. little suspect. Yeah. 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 And so like I also think, like, when I saw Fantastic Beasts and I saw that Lena Lestrange was played by Zoe, I got super excited. But then there's this part of me that I started thinking. I was like, okay, aren't the Lestranges related to, like, aren't they all related? Like, aren't they related to the Blacks? And aren't, aren't well, they, like, are, are um, cool? Yeah, Bellatrix okay. Lestrange's husband would have been related to yes. Lita. So he could okay. have been a black man. We yes. aren't really sure. And well, I think we find out that she was born out of, like, a rape situation. She was, yes. Yeah. yeah. Wait, Her mother was... was black. Lita's. Yes, that's Lita's right. mother was black. And then 
so if Lita's okay, so Lita's mother okay, so if her last name is Lestrange, that means her dad is white. So I don't know. I just started building this whole family tree and I'm like, so should there be more black people and kind of like in that mix? I don't know, which it probably does. Well, she dies, right? Like she yeah. get killed. So she didn't right. have a chance to like continue. That's true. That's procreation true. of. That's yeah. true. And I'm like, okay, well, who is she related to? Like, what does Bella Trix's what i don't know i don't know i started this whole complex like tree in my head like okay there's this one it's like when you see this one black person and you're like okay explain this how is she and how she connected to all these people and like i i wanted it to not just be this thing of tokenism where they're like okay we have to add a black person right let's make this person black. Okay, let's kill him off. Okay, that's it. We had our black person and they're dead and there's no need to extend this. Right. Um, so I was just hoping for that. Like I was trying to connect the dots and be like, okay, wait, should I expect more, you know, black representation? And I just think it's interesting how she's just, she's just killed yeah. off and it's just like, okay, that's it. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think also that's a valid point about tokenism, Ricky. Yeah, because I also had had this thought. I had this thought when I was thinking about preparing for this episode about how Angela, like how in the cursed child, she switches over from dating one twin to the other twin, and I'm like, yeah. wait, what? Like you're gonna take the one black character and just make her just be okay? Let's just move her over here to keep her relevant. It almost made me feel like okay, there's that tokenism again, where it's just like okay, let's just. Which yeah. I mean, you could have had like valid points for her to just being like, "Oh, that twin died, so let me go over to the other twin." But in the back of my head, I'm like, "Okay, this is me represented in this right. whole story," and then here, right, this is this is what happens, really. Yeah. yeah, right. I also think it gets a little problematic with uh, Angelina because we see her. Well, first, she's described as being very attractive, and both mm-hmm. Fred and George are very attracted to her and kind of compete over her a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But she ends up going to the Yule Ball with Fred and they're kind of like a thing, but we never really learn that much about it. So yeah, it is kind of like weird that like, oh, Fred died. So now I'm going to date George. Like who, what actual woman would do that? I don't know. Um, It would be kind of awkward, but I think a bigger issue that I have with Angelina is that we see her mainly as this gifted athlete which is great. Like women should be gifted athletes. Um, But the fact that she's the only black woman in the series and the main thing I know her as is she's really good at Quidditch. And then whenever she is the captain of the Quidditch team, once Wood leaves, she's the angry captain of the Quidditch team. Like she can't control her emotions over it. And I'm just like, okay. (laughs) Again, it goes back to the stereotyping of Mm -hmm. black characters and characters of color in general. It creates again a really uncomfortable conversation that you have to look at and be like okay this isn't good but then also on the flip side black men are showed as like Kingsley Shacklebolt who's like super powerful and that's amazing I mean he becomes a minister of magic Mm -hmm. and that's like awesome and Harry respects him so much so it kind of to me personally I wonder why these women of color are the stereotypes when the men are not so much the stereotypes. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like they're like the minor 
okay, if we break this down, I feel like they're the minor, minor characters, and that's an issue, too, because mm-hmm. it leaves less dimension for the character, less growth for the character, versus, like, the other, the men, the men of color, they have more room for growth, and they have more room for character development, even as a minor character. They're not as minor as the women. Like, I mean, uh, Parvati and Padma, like, they just come along because harry and ron can't get another date you know and it's just i'm just like oh like why didn't anybody want to take like why are they why were they the last ones available like i i that right. was especially when they're described hand. as yeah. being like very attractive gorgeous yeah yeah and also it goes back to the movies where they had separate identity and identities in the books right yes. like one was in ravenclaw and one was mm-hmm. in Gryffindor. And then in the films, we've talked about this before, they just throw them both in Gryffindor. Like, let's right. just yes. call these. And they're always together yeah. and they always have the same lines. Hi, Harry. Like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's so valid because I, I felt like that too. And then even their representation in the movies felt so like just like a cliche Bollywood representation. Like mm. it was just was yeah. like the two girls and they're just sitting in their pretty dresses waiting for the guys to come. And then, you know, I think the two guys come from Durmstrang and they ask them for a dance and then mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, yes, please, get hand, out of here. A foot, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think, um, and I just was like, this is so cheesy. And like, <laughs> like they were so, I felt like the, you, you said it, they had more dimension in the books, but that's not represented at all. It almost felt like they were playing more into a stereotype in the movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my, my fiance is Indian and I guess as white woman, I never really, I was annoyed that they were I don't know, okay, I was annoyed that they weren't given their identities in the movie. And you're right. I mean, he's annoyed that he's like, look, these are the only Indian characters explicitly in this entire series. Yes. And not only are they just in the background, but they're also just, they're down to their saris. It's just so stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, as a white woman who has become familiar with Indian culture and the way they dress like I'm sorry even if you're twins they are not going to dress the same it's yeah. not going to happen it the way Indian women dress in particular my future husband's family but I would extend to say most women in the Indian culture I mean that's one huge way they express themselves and for that to be taken away in the films just again so they can basically be the same character just split into two bodies and that was something that really annoyed him when I was watching the movies with him Mm -hmm. because it's just like this is my only representation and it's very it's just stereotypical and kind of secondary I guess but personally like those are going to be who if I have kids that's who's going to look like them on the screen my question is how can we like move forward like what changes could we make if there were ever future remakes or future spinoffs what could we do differently and you know we love this question yeah (laughs) this is like it's it's how we end all of our research we're like here are ways you can improve so this is how you can do better please yeah Yeah. I think one of the first things that we talk about a lot too, and it's, it applies so much here, is that acknowledging that a lot of these issues are systemic concerns and not specifically just mm-hmm. it's like one person's experience. Where I think I'm going back to um, 
Hermione and the Cursed Childs, where I just keep thinking back when people are like, oh, this is so personal. Like, you can't, like, make Hermione one way and then make her another way. And then, you know, this is just, like, it almost was, I kept hearing this, the, this term that just irks me, which is, like, the race card, like, the race card is being played. And that was just so troublesome because it was not acknowledging systemic the systemic concerns that we were all mm-hmm. trying to be like no actually this is not just one person's experience it's it's more of a systemic problem so i think that's first and foremost is just acknowledging that on a personal level as well like when maybe if you are reading the books and if there's something about them that's making you uncomfortable or if you're watching the movies and you're not maybe maybe there's something about it there there's something that's come forward and it's representative of a larger group or of a marginalized group and you're feeling uncomfortable with it to kind of sit with it for a second and sit with yourself and have that uncomfortable conversation with yourself and just acknowledge Mm -hmm. maybe why this is bothering you Mm -hmm. and looking at the systemic concerns behind it I think that would be a really really important first step kind of like interpersonal before you know you start taking action and just acknowledging and recognizing our own privilege almost yeah definitely yeah, and I think like one of the main things that one of the main thoughts I've had even during this whole time uh, with everything going on involving like protests, rights, everything that's going on is the fact that I feel like this is kind of like on a large scale. I feel like there needs to be more representation when it comes to the people in charge of these creations, especially the more specifically the films and um, like you. I feel like if there was someone from, you know, South Asian descent in charge, they would have definitely been like, wait, that's not right. Or if there was a black yeah. person, like more pe- more representation for the people who are creating and producing these works. That way, because without representation and without this knowledge flow, you don't really know. Like you only know what you know. And until someone comes along and is like, hey, what about this? Or hey, this mm-hmm. is this is my perspective. This is my lens that I see the world in. And this is why it matters. You don't know. And I think that's that's the biggest thing. I also think like going forward when it comes to when it comes to recreating for your question, that's more for recreating the films. Um, but also going forward when it comes to different artists and authors out there, I feel like diversity starts with the pen or it starts with the we type now. It starts with that. Mm-hmm. It starts with, as we said, explicitly say, this character is and leave room for dynamic for diversity. I feel nice. like there needs to be more of a more room so that that character can have enough dimension so that diversity can be in there. And to try to steer away from tokenism, steer away from having that one it's like a checklist almost. I feel right, like right, they go through. Right. It's like, okay, we had a gay character check. We had a trans character check. Black person check. You know, stereotypical Asian person check. And I think steering away from that tokenism and allowing just our minds to view ethnicity, race as a spec, as not a spectrum, but as more of a scale to where there's so much right. room and it's not just this narrow, narrow minded. Um, societal view of a character yeah. it's not the stereotype version there's so much room on kind of like this wide range spectrum or wide range verse of ethnicity that you can have room for so many different complexities and dimensions of characters yeah like representation and multi-dimensionality like if you are mm-hmm. reading or listening to this and reading or think or thinking about writing something 
yeah, like think about what representation would actually look like and, and leaving dimensionality for different characters, even women. Like I would even, I know we didn't touch specifically just on women, but I think even the women in this series to a certain extent were not given like due justice. Like I think Hermione was still very much, she was a main character, but I, I think there were some times where I was like, come on, Hermione. Like, mm -hmm. no, she is, she's so much better than this. She's, she's so much more badass than this. And mm -hmm. so I think just looking at that, like just starting from there where I still feel like women aren't, and I mean, this was written by a woman, so I, I don't know. Yeah. But like, I think just looking at it from that perspective as well and like looking at different resources also, I think there's a lot of great resources that if you want, we can link to them and then send them to, to you guys to share with your listeners as well. But there's a lot of great resources that talk about kind of these topics as well from different perspectives. And I think it's important too, because we are just two perspectives. I think it's important to, to realize that there will be different perspectives towards these conversations as well. Yeah. And I think another big piece of advice is for if you want to write a character and you're not familiar with the culture and you're not familiar with kind of the background that you want to go through like do do research get to know that culture talk to different people from that culture and bring their perspective on because I definitely don't want to say you know if you're white you can't write about a right. black woman or if you're you know South Asian you can't write about a black person or you know I definitely feel like an um a creator can explore that space but I think in order to do it in a respectful way and we kind of talk about this the line between cultural appropriation and addressing culture in a respect way is getting that research getting that knowledge so that the terminology so that the character development that you do create is one that is representative of that culture and not only centering your voice as well but mm -hmm. looking at what it would look like to represent um to be representative of others yeah yeah i also feel like these are things that we as just humans should be practicing on like a daily basis is like familiarizing ourselves with other ideals and viewpoints and other people's perspectives. And I mean, I think especially recently with the current climate of events that have been unfolding in our country and around the world, um, in addition to what's going on in our country, a lot of people have been trying to educate themselves more because there's a lot of information out there and right. you're kind of just like, where do I even start? Like, I know I need to educate myself better because like, I mean, especially like myself and I don't want to speak for Emily, but as two white women, like our history books teach us one version of history. And right. so we only kind of get this one perspective and that's just what you're taught in school and our country, especially this is how it is. And we don't get all of this other information that is out there and is factual and that we need to know about different cultures. So I think even as a creator, an artist, or a writer, anything, like, you really have to educate yourself on everybody before you write any yeah. character, even a white character, because yeah. there's diversity in white people's upbringing, too. So it's yeah. just, if you can make yourself as a human more educated on other people, I think you'll be not only a better person, but a better creator, because you can connect to more people on such a deeper level. Yeah, and I definitely yeah. think that's what inspired us to kind of start Gray Matters is because we because we get this question a lot. Where do we start? Mm -hmm. Like there's mm -hmm. so much and even ourselves when we started studying um, our specific like multiculturalism and, and our specific field, we I, I know me, uh, I can't. 
I won't speak for Charmaine, but uh, we both talk about this. Actually, we both felt very overwhelmed. I know I went through a time where I was like, I know nothing and I know everything about everything and nothing about nothing. <laughs> and honestly, like, I, I feel like, yeah, that's a great point. And like, everyone should be more into educating themselves. And I think it starts with what we kind of like, what's the word, what we intake on a daily basis. So if you're on social media, follow those. There's so many great activists and scholars that you can follow that talk about uh, these different social systemic issues that we have in different cultures. We, we definitely on our platform, we definitely try to send out different scholars, different resources to our audience so that they know about these resources. Um, and we ourselves are constantly going on there to learn about new activists and new scholars too. And I think from then, once we educate ourselves, we can start talking to our friends, our family, people around us. And it, it's like knowledge becomes this, like, it just flows. It just flows to other people because once we invest in ourselves, we can in, invest in others. And from that, they can invest in others and it just spreads. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. And as a white woman who has always considered herself an ally, when all this stuff recently broke out, I, I took it upon myself to even further educate myself. Because as Sam said, you know, as white people in school, really, well, everyone in school, but as we're taught the white version of whitewashed. school. Yeah. History yeah. is very whitewashed. And absolutely especially as someone who my younger formative years in schools were spent in the North. And that was, I was taught history one way there. And then coming to the South, I, I get to see the two perspectives because you are taught different things about different events versus what region you're in, which is a whole issue in and of itself. But I digress. But yeah, there are so many good <laughs> resources out there. And I think as white people, for Sam and I and our other listeners who are white, it's really important to keep in mind, you need to seek those out for yourself. And while you need to have these conversations with people of color, it's not their responsibility to tell you how to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. Because we're really lucky that we just have to educate ourselves. And we don't have to experience a lot of the things we get representation, we get different privileges that unfortunately people of color don't. And mm -hmm. and a I lot of times it's stuff that we don't even think about, think about. as a privilege. Yeah. We don't even recognize it as a privilege until we see that somebody else yeah. doesn't have it. Right. I thank you guys so much for coming on here. I think this was amazing and mm -hmm. very thought provoking. And I hope our listeners really take the time to listen and absorb and feel uncomfortable when you need to. But also right. I hope this kind of shows you that there is hope you can be the difference moving forward, the way you think and the way you view people and you're taking the time to educate yourself and do research that will really make a difference. Thank you for having us on. We really appreciate this opportunity. And yeah, I, I appreciate you saying what you said earlier about educating yourself. There are a lot of great resources and, um, you know, there's a couple of texts I can think of that I've just in my like graduate study have really found useful, like almost, um, to kind of supplement some of what I learned in my history classes in school. And those are really great and we can link to those. And we're actually going to be doing a series, like it's a, a mini series that we're gonna be use, utilizing throughout our podcast, like a her story. And mm -hmm. so we're gonna be doing like little links to it. We can send it to you guys too. And they're just little little stories that we may not have 
learn about. And, and I think they connect a lot and help us understand the world a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. So everyone listening out there, as a way to educate yourself more, make sure you check out Gray Matters blog, podcast, whenever they're releasing more of their content and just make sure to stay into the conversation. Don't just let this become just a week of your time and your energy. You know, this is an evolving issue that will last probably our lifetime. um, And it's something that we have to continue educating our future generations on. And so it's, it's not just something to read one day and then set aside. Like we have to consciously be making an effort every day in our lives to be growing and getting better um, and being anti-racist. So yeah, but thank you guys so much for your perspectives and for coming on and sharing all of your insights and intelligence with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. We love listening. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. All right. As always, you can find us at HP Half Drunk on Instagram and Twitter and Harry Potter and the Half Drunk podcast on Facebook. And be sure to join our Facebook group as well. Yep. And you can listen to us anywhere you listen to your podcast, wherever you're listening now. Um, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the good stuff. That's pretty much that. I hope you have a good week. Mischief Managed. Mischief Managed.